The Tangent Egg Podcast is aimed at a mature audience. It contains themes that are not appropriate for all listeners. It's important to note that we are not experts. We routinely have no idea what we're talking about and are just three idiots sitting around a table. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Tangent Egg Podcast, and uh, this week, only Swoosh is with me. Yes. We have hidden John Doe. You'll get him back next week, maybe. If you've been good. Honestly, it's mostly just the Easter weekend kind of messing everybody over. Yeah, a little bit. That that does tend to happen. I'm not looking forward to it because I work warehousing and, uh, yeah, these four-day weeks aren't fun. <laughs> There's yeah. four of them in April. Yeah, and shit tends to pile up around those. It's like, yeah, that's not great. Yeah. Because it's it, this week's a four-day week, next week's a four-day week, then there's a one week where it's all normal again, and then it's a four-day week into a four-day week. Yeah, see, so like, I deal with a lot of automated systems in my work, so I'm going back to a backlog regardless of what happens. Like, yep, yeah, cool, I'm just going to have fun this weekend and try and be normal. Yeah. So, getting off of the depressing pro- prospects of our actual real-world lives, Yay! let's go yell at Blizzard. That's... Still mildly depressing, but more fun. I mean, yeah. So, this is this is more of a potential issue, more than anything else, I guess. Like, yeah. They're not specifically screwing up this time. So, uh, they're putting out their new um, support hero, Life Weaver. Yeah. And he's got an ability in which he puts a shield around you, and mm. then pulls you out. The idea being like, oh, you're about to die, I'll shield you and pull you out of danger. Yeah. Or he could pull you into danger, or off of the map. Yeah, that's the inverse of the old Orisa pull, which I used to use a lot to pull enemies off the map. Like, it was great to disrupt a team. But if this only works on your allies, guaranteed no one's going to use that to support their team. Well, they probably will, right up until you get that butt-hurt salt player, yeah. who's like, you all suck and you just can't play the game right, and I would be top tier if you guys didn't suck. That guy, that guy will pull you off the map. Oh yeah, no, I'd pull that guy off the map myself, just, I hate those people. I, the only way I would ever use that would be if I had a friend who was a tank, like, just stay behind the shield, and just pull the, the idiots back behind it. <laughs> and I think that's what they wanted people to do. Like, but they've left it open no, for trolling so well. I, I don't think that's the design. I really do think the design is like someone, like, you know, the shield's been broken and you're getting overrun. Yeah. Pull them out with the shield so they can reset and go again. Mm. But, like, it leaves the door open entirely too much for the trolling. And let's face it, there's already enough of that with the kits that, you know, just Lucio just nudging people. Yeah. Like, the boop is great. Like, I used to play a lot of Lucio because he was a really interesting character before they I nerfed him. I played a lot of Lucio too. <laughs> until they eventually nerfed him to death. I mean, you used to be able to wall ride in the canyon and heal all your friends. But, uh, no. They, like, I understand why they nerfed him. It was a bit annoying. And yeah. it was to try and change the meta up and, and that kind of stuff. But I know they're trying to push for more support people by. Well, the last two heroes, I think, were support heroes. Yeah. But they're not making the current ones better. Like, that, to me, they should be overhauling current support player characters. They don't need to bring out a new one. Um, mm. I get they want to get that people coming in going, oh, yes, a new character, I'll play that. But half the time it's like, oh, support, oh, I'll play the next one. Like, most of the time they don't care. Yeah. 
Unless you happen to get something like Moira, where everyone decided they liked her, but they also stopped playing her as a support. Yeah, pretty much. She became a DPS pretty quick. Yeah, so, you know, so-so support. Alright, the same thing happened with Drunk Rat, where it's like, he's a support character. No, fuck you, he's a frontliner now. Like, that's, that's a DD. That yeah. was never a support character. What's wrong with you? Oh, I remember at one point people trying to press him was like, it's a support. Like, I played him support. I just lob shit over buildings and well, yeah, the that, that's the closest you get to support yeah. is you are a roving artillery piece. Which was great, but no one ever seemed to want to use him that way, I swear. I swear that's why all the maps had those, like, high windows. Yeah. They, they weren't decorative, or... they were junk rat targets. Exactly. Like, um, was it Eichenwald, the, uh, the old, like, German castle town? Yeah. That one. I love that map as junk rat, because I could just launch things over buildings directly at a point and just consistently rain hell. So I was like, I have cleared the way. My explosions don't hurt my friends, and they have to come a really far way out to get me, so... I'm disrupting. The one I remember is from... Uh, it was one of the first maps, the the temple one from the cutscene with Hanzo. Mm. Um, because when you push through to the actual temple... Yeah. Just stand outside and just shoot grenades in. It's great. It was just like constantly people in there fighting and you just rack up kills. Like, and then you'd get your ultimate, send your fucking wheel in there and be like, play the game. Pretty much. Like, eventually, if I get enough people playing it again I might go back to Overwatch but I can't do it on my own I can't do it with less than three people because um, it's not going to be me man I ain't yeah. going back I, I might dip my toes back in one day but it's one of those things that unless you have a full team it's not really fun because there's always that one dickhead in the chat who's like oh you're all you're all shit like, yeah but you're not. Do you're just playing Genji and running straight at them without doing anything. You're you're literally dying for fun. You're not helping us. No, no, no. You're so shit. You're not supporting his strategy, and thusly, it's not working. Ah, uh, yes. This is your fault. That makes sense. We have to support the Leroy Jenkins like stealth main. That See, if you'd game. already if you'd shot the Bastion, the Bastion wouldn't have shot him. That is true. It's Clearly, this fault. is your fault. Clearly, absolutely. Uh, I, I hate any time someone decides in a like massively involved to play a game uh, to be like I'm gonna play a stealth person, but I'm not gonna do stealth. Like, okay, w why are you on this character? Yeah, please stop. It's like, okay, I'll switch to Wither. Like, ah. <laughs> Blizzard's yeah, doing dumb on. things and leaving themselves open for players to screw over this character more than they are. And they're going to have to nerf it within a week and Probably give it out-of-bound zones that you can't pull them to or something. Mm. There'll be something. Invisible walls for everyone. Yeah. But. So, speaking of dumb things, uh, E3's basically dead. Honestly, I keep forgetting it's still a thing. Like, every time it's like, oh, E3 happened, like, fuck, that's still going? Now, well, it hasn't happened since 2019. Yeah. I mean, like, even before COVID, it kind of was slowing down. Yeah, but it was still, like, it had still had a death grip on the industry. Yeah. And then, in the immortal words of, of the Game Grumps, the Backstreet Boys reunion tour happened, and uh, <laughs> Jeff Keighley had his open door. Yeah. It's just... 
when it first began, E3 made a lot of sense. It was back when the internet was still very young. Not a lot of people had a handle on it. Big game companies had no idea what to do with it. Half of them didn't think it was going to be a big thing to start with. Um, and it's like, we're going to have a big convention and we'll show everything off there. And it well, made so sense. You were dealing in a time when, like most of us, I know I used to buy them a lot when I was a kid. Mm. You got your gaming news from a gaming magazine. Yeah. Which means you had to send... Um, uh, like a subscription? God di- no, no. My The people who write articles, fucking... Journalists? Journalists! Those fuck. guys, why yeah! Can I, why can I not remember the word journalist? To be honest, words are weird and English is weirder. Yes, yes it is. I mean, come on, Dan Bull managed to rhyme the words Dovahkiin, Aubergine, and Dopamine. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but yeah, no, you actually had to get all your, your news sources from journalists. As so you had to, to get your journalist somewhere where they can see all that new stuff. So of course, having a central place like E3 made sense. Mm. You'd have all these journalists in one place. You were basically getting yourself free press. Yeah. But as the digital age has come along, more and more content creators, like uh, particularly with the live streaming of the events, mm. um, I know Total Biscuit was, uh, used to say it a lot, there was no point going to the event if you watch the stream, you are capable of writing articles and posting your opinions and informing your viewers mm. faster than someone who actually went. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, like, the second uh, the bigger companies realized that they didn't have to go to a specific thing, put on, uh, pay a bunch of money for a set and build a massive show around something, they just do mm. their own thing and save a lot of money then that was going to be the death of E3 to start with. Like, Well, I mean, that's where I think the hemorrhage was starting to happen <laughs> before the Rona. Um, yeah. Because Nintendo had pulled out... E3 had bullied Devolver Digital out. Yeah. Um, and EA had pulled out. Yeah. But Nintendo didn't give a shit. E3 didn't give a shit about Devolver. And, E3, and EA had long lost its luster. Oh, yeah. So people really didn't give a crap. But they were the sign of the times. Like, people were moving away from E3 as the specific event hmm. to digitals and side events around E3. Yeah. So it was already starting to happen, and then the Rona was just gasoline on a fire. Oh, definitely. Like, to me, it always felt like E3 uh, was one of those really big companies back before like international shipping like you know local mattress kingdom kind of thing so yeah so this guy has all the money because everyone needs mattresses and then along came the internet where you can order a mattress from absolutely anywhere uh, mm. and bigger chain stores started getting in the game it's like and they haven't changed to suit the new environment it's like no no, no. Mm. we keep doing this because this is what pappy did and he made all the money and why aren't we making money now and they held on to that old glory um but it just wasn't going to keep them going through a difficult time at all. And it was not sustainable I mean, what, in the long run. And when E3 went down, their tweet kind of tried to make it seem like it was everybody else's fault. Yeah. Because in it, they pointed out that, oh, we were going to have so many indies there, and they were going to be in front of all these people, and they were going to get so much coverage, but, oh, well. Yeah. That, like it's somehow everybody else's fault. That is a dick move where you're trying to blame uh, the audience for not turning up. It's like, we had no reason to turn up. You you weren't mm. doing anything. Like, why would but, we turn up and spend our money? Because it cost a lot to get to E3. 
I mean, look at look for us because we live in Australia. We'd yeah. have to fly to I think it's L.A. where they yeah. have it, which is already an expensive trip. The Australian dollar is down against the USD, so we'd be going bad conversion cash-wise oh, yeah. to the States to go to an event where we'd have to pay for hotels, food, we'd have to take a cab fucking everywhere because we don't know that fucking town. Yeah. It would be an expense nightmare for mm. for us to go. Yeah. But even for locals or anyone else within the US getting there, that's still a lot because the hotels there fill up and oh, yeah. they tend to raise their prices around any type of convention because they oh, know course. people are going to pay that money um, yeah. so it's like there's no incentive for us to turn up it's like sure you have a bunch of indie stuff awesome I like maybe one out of 20 indie games most of them I have no interest in like, if you're yeah. just shotgunning a bunch of indie games at me then I'm not going to turn up I'm just going to watch it online but then, you know, look at what's happening now. Uh, when uh, Summer Games Fest happens, mostly because, thank fuck, someone remembered what a demo is. Yeah. Um, on Steam, we'll get inundated with like a hundred demos. Yeah. I don't have to leave my house to try the newest and greatest things. I'm so glad demos are making a comeback. I'm Same here. I'm too jaded on trailers now. Because oh, they're never they're... true to function. No. Like, it's always a cinematic, and you'll have, like, a tiny little thing with not actual gameplay. It's like, fuck you, show me gameplay. I want to see oh. how this game actually runs. Or it'll be gameplay that is so obviously fake. Yeah. I still always remember the, um... Anthem. The first... No, no. The first trailer for The Division. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, where they had all the people working in a perfect unison, and no one called it anyone a cunt. Yeah. Same with Anthem, to be honest. Like, because they has, like, oh, this is real gamers playing. Like, that's not how a real play... Like, real gamers talk at all not a single person has cussed out someone for like for shits and giggles yeah but like the the that one they weren't partied up for that long yeah and they didn't need coordination true the division one always jumps out at me because they're like oh yes they're coming up from the left oh no i'm moving into position i'm covering you move up yeah fuck off no one not how anyone that. talks no if, unless you're doing full competitive and you're in the same room no one talks that way. Or you'd have to be playing something more like armor. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, most gamers are trolls at our very center. Even cooperative oh, yeah. games, we will mess with each other. <laughs> have we you will... ever tried to play Portal 2 uh, and co-op with anybody? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, the temptation just to, like, launch a friend off an edge is too hard to resist. I guarantee there's not a single person yep. who hasn't just gone, <laughs> and launched someone out. Like, it's in our DNA, I swear, to, just to be a dick for that short amount of time. <laughs> we will take a loss just to spite someone for fun. Because it's yeah. more, that's where we get the enjoyment from. Yeah. Like, and that's also why I don't play competitive, because people tend not to have a sense of humor when competitive comes into <laughs> a thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just, I don't see what that's going to do. So, so, like, you know, trailers are a, a waste, so yeah. demos are the absolute thing. And, of course, Summer Games Fest, uh, you've got the Guerrilla Initiative, and there's another one that do shows specifically for indies. Hmm. All the big guys are getting their own shows, and they're yeah. going to be on different days. Devolver Digital do something crazy, and I love them, like, every year. Yeah. If you have not watched the narrative for Devolver Digital, freaking watch that shit. It was yeah. the best. 
I still love the non-fuckwithable tape. That's <laughs> the best one. They took their... It wasn't last year. It was the year before's um, entire E3 video. Yeah. was put onto a videotape, and there's a little tab you can pull out of the back, which makes it so you can't record over it. Nice. And then they sold it for, I think it was like a thousand bucks. And <laughs> somebody bought it. So That's someone the- owns an NFT of that show. Oh, God. An actual <laughs> NFT. But, Jesus Christ. But apart from that, like, trailers, I'm happy that they disappear. Or at least be very upfront. Like, this is the cinematic portion. Look, like, I don't mind if, like, if we go back to, like, trailers are a sizzle reel. Yeah. So you know what you kind of are interested in to start with. Mm. Um, give me some idea what I'm going to play. It doesn't have to be super real or detailed, but just know, I want to know what I'm about to do. Yeah. Is it a horror game? Is it a action game? Is it a survivability game? Like, I just want to know what the game is. Yeah, That's so all often, that trailer has to do. Yeah, like, so often a trailer will not even give you that information. It's like, alright, cool. It's like, they're teasing something. It's like, what is this? Yeah. I get you want an air of mystery. But there is a point where you have to actually buckle down and say, hey, this is actually this is a shooter. It's a third-person shooter. Like, awesome. I'm interested. Or be like, oh, hey, it's a sandbox, you know, battle royale. Like, no, I'm out. Yeah. But, and then after that, I want a demo. So yeah. Just a little bit. It just, like, I don't mind if you do the old vertical slice shit. Yeah. Just let me get some hands on it, see how it feels, see what it kind of plays like, see if I like the idea and the setting, the characters maybe a little bit. That's fine. Hmm. I'm personally a big fan of those games which do, like, first, like, 20-odd minutes of the game. Yeah, like the first so it's like, I, Yeah. Essentially, I want... I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm basically like, can we go back to shareware? Yeah. <laughs> Where the first little bit's free. I, or very discounted. It works, though, because, like... When you're playing through that first part of a game and you reach that point, it's like, this is the end of the demo. It's like, ooh, I want this. And I will tend to go and buy the thing. If I'm enjoying myself enough to mm. finish that first chapter and see the demo like thing pop up, I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm getting this. Like, but it's only if the demo content carries over. Yes. Um, I'm a big proponent of that. Mm. Like, give me the first bit, and if I like it, get to the end of it and be like, look, man it's 70 bucks pony it up and you can keep on going it's yeah. fine just give me I'll the be... unlock so I can keep going it's fine yeah and I'm pretty chill with that idea yeah um, but that requires developers to do it and a lot of indies have been doing it because it's the easiest way to get your game noticed because so many things are like I don't know what you know if you told me like what is it golf story what's this mm. it's a JRPG golf game what yeah I probably would never play that but if you actually play the demo, it's like, oh, this is, game's actually pretty fun. Yeah. Like, it, it lets you explore things that you don't normally do anything with. Yeah. And you find some interesting stuff. Like, that, to me, was a good way of doing things. Demos and that kind of stuff. And not mm. relying on a marketing team to give you the information about a game. Because, mm. let's be honest, marketing has one job. It's to sell the shit out of a product. So they will yeah. flat out lie if it gets them their job done. Like, yeah. They don't have a quarry about about it. They will do that thing. And I don't blame them. When your job is reliant on result and you have to sell stuff, it's what you do. But I'm not going to trust your opinion on a game that you are trying to sell. And, I I mean, we've discussed it many times on this show. Reviewers aren't quickly becoming an irrelevancy. Yeah. 
the level to which it's just like like the, like it's not that they're not in touch and I've said it before I think a lot of it's not necessarily burnout but because they got to play everything hmm. their opinion is heavily skewed I tend to find oh, yeah. a lot of reviewers give like glowing reviews to something that's different hmm. because they're happy for something different so they're like extel its virtues yeah. and then you play it and it's like this is kind of clunky and not that interesting yeah. why, why did you review this so well I'd rather go play you know Call of Duty modern space fair because they like that sort of thing and they don't because they played every Call of Duty and they don't care anymore. <laughs> I think what happened is when reviews became or like review positions at um, any kind of newspaper or whatever else, they became careers. So it's like, oh, what are you? I'm a food critic. I review food. And it's like, all right, when do you stop doing that? Because after a certain point, you become biased. You are very cynical to certain things because you've had it a million times. Mm. It should never be a permanent position. It should be an entry position into a, a group. So it's like, ah, oh, cool. We need someone to take on this new thing. Grab the, the guy who's been writing reviews the last six months. We put him onto an actual thing, see how he goes. And then we get a new reviewer in because they're going to go through and give an unbiased opinion of a guy. Yeah, but the thing is though then you've got this massive turnover that you can't support in yeah. so many in so many outlets because let's face it again reviewing's get like look man we're two idiots sitting in <clears throat> at tables and yeah. we can review I can give you my review of Resident Evil 4 yeah the remake side note it's very good you should totally buy it <laughs> um you don't need to have a publication to get your opinion out there which means yeah. the like you only need one or two people to play some stuff to get reviews going. And then you don't have a huge budget, so you can't afford to hire three or four more people to get the um, cycle going. Mm. I actually did do reviews for a website for a little while. Yeah. Um, and part of the problem I ran into was they just hand me whatever they had next because we only had, like, three reviewers on staff. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, this really sucks because I'm being handed stuff that I don't want to play or it's mm. not interesting or I don't have a thousand words in me about this it's not interesting yeah but I have to do it pretty much um the only review that really got a lot of traction that I did and I'll freely admit this was when I reviewed Alien Isolation shock mm. horror <laughs> a thing I am massively interested in I am a giant Aliens fan so yeah. The best review I ever did was on an Aliens product, but I'm excited about that. It wasn't mm. like Rocket Jump Boy. It's just like, I don't care. There's not a nudge here. The gameplay is really simple. It's it's what it is. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. But that, that's what it's like, and you can't afford to have a new reviewer every two months. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Unless you're using it as like a work experience thing for a bunch of like students, it's not tenable. Even then. But even then, you'd be abusing the students to get that done. That has never stopped them before. I know. I mean, I've been part of the marketing push for Fury, so... Oh, God, I remember that. That was a fun one. I think I still have that around as a coaster. I, I never got a copy. All I know, I, I went to Orin. I was part of their big marketing push for that game. I talked to press. Mm-hmm. It lied through my fucking teeth. Oh yeah, no, that was admitted. the part. I was mostly there just because I was like, "Oh hey, I want to be part of this cool thing." Because yeah. it was a big an Australian studio, and they did they they essentially did battle royale, 
but before too everything else. Like um, they were the precursor, and they just flopped. Well, the thing problem was that they didn't they didn't quite do it right. Uh, they were very similar to what is it Nakana? Is that Asian themed me- close combat one? I know the one you're talking about. I just can't remember what it was. Norika, no, something like that. Something. You know the game I'm talking yeah. about. Um, they they were very similar to that. But the mm. problem is they had they took their inspiration from MMO PvP. Yeah. And that meant you had to level up and acquire gear and that sort of stuff, and it was persistent. So if you grind it up, you just shat all over everybody else who hadn't. Pretty much. And it was really boring. Whereas, you know, like Battle Royales, you drop in naked with maybe a perk. Yeah. And that can help build your character in the arena, but it doesn't create them. You kind of have to build them on the fly as you go. Yeah, you you can try and aim for a specific build, but yeah. the chances of finding that build are not great. Yeah, so they 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 were still too close to the MMO end of the spectrum, Yeah, but it, it was essentially a battle royale. It, you just went into the arena, killed people, acquired blood tokens, and used the blood tokens to get more stuff. Yeah, it didn't help that the... Um, not the marketing team, but the guys who were making the game kept referring to it as the WoW killer. It's like, nothing can kill WoW. I never heard them call it a WoW killer because it wasn't an call, MMO. That's the thing, I heard them call it that numerous times. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. But Wildstar was closer to being a WoW killer than Fury ever was. Oh yeah, it was such a strange thing. But unfortunately it didn't do well and then they folded, I think, eventually. I don't know if they're still going, are they? I, I, you know what, I can find out. Uh, I, well, maybe I'll be able to find out. That might be a little hard to Google, because Oren that was never a that ago. big. Yeah. They probably got bought up by some. I, they probably got absorbed by Halfbrick, or one of the other ones here in Brisbane. Oh, did you see the... There was a, a little documentary that got done. Um, no, I don't want Origin. I want yeah. Oren. No, you need new uh, new power and new guests. Um, I can't like I don't even have I don't even remember how to spell freaking Oren's name. I think it was A U R O N, Oron. A A U R O N. I think so. It's been a long time. It's been like what? Like I know, right? It's close to like twelve odd years. Ah, oh, here we go. This will probably give it to me. Top 15 video game makers in Australia. <laughs> I don't even think they were in the top 15. We only had 16. Half break. Hang on. Uh, that company. Uh, I don't think this is even correct. Yeah, nah. Some of these are definitely not. A, point is, there are... There are I, look, I... It's annoying because I want to know. Yeah. They were a startup or like very early. I think it was made of ex-students or something they came across. That's why they dealt with us a lot because they were coming from back to their old martyr. So I was like, we're going to do things here. Like, okay. We don't care. Um, the game wasn't horrible. I enjoyed what I played of it. But it also wasn't much to write home about. So, Alright, here we go. Alright. I went and found the uh, the one for Fury, not Oren. <laughs> ah, fair, yeah. Uh, I think they become Nerve. They became Nerve, did they? Ah, fair. Munched by a bigger company? Yeah, yeah. Nerve Games, formerly Oren Development. Ah, okay. Well, they're not 
doing horrible then. That's good. Yeah. Like a rebranding, so. essentially. It's like, aha! No! Get that get that away. I mean, they mostly, like... I hate saying it. They're basically kept alive by the train series they run. Yeah. That's their bread and butter. They yeah. make that thing with, like, a bajillion dollars worth of DLC. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the thing that kept, um, like, Half Brick going for so long was, like, Fruit Ninja. Still does. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The thing I was about to point out. There was a documentary about a, uh, a, a game that Halfbreak was trying to make that almost dist- that almost ripped apart their office in three days. Wait, which one was that? It was a game called Tank Tactics. Oh, yes. No, I remember someone talking about that. Um, fun fact, we know a few people who used to work at Halfbreak. Still do, some of them. Yeah. I think. Couples still do. Pretty sure they do. Um... Yeah, so so that that was a thing. Uh, there's a really good documentary about it. I'll link. It, I'll put it in the show notes. That'd be good. Um, about this game that like just started. They apparently like the part of the game is you. you all right, so like brief primer. The game is essentially you play a tank. Yeah. You get action points every day, and you can spend them to move and shoot and yada yada yada. Hmm. You can give your points to other people so they can do multiple actions, and it's kind of this whole like tactics game, of course. Fun. Apparently, two of the players, one killed another person, mm. uh, betrayed them. Oh. And one person saw it as just gameplay and didn't care. And the other person took it as like an actual, like, out of game betrayal oh, of their yeah. friendship. Fair. And they just they just didn't talk to each other anymore. Wow. That. That's a bit yeah, of a Yeah, it, it's really interesting. Because, like, apparently, like, there was only 20 people out of the whole company who were even playing this fucking game. Nice. And on the first day, three of them were killed. <laughs> they didn't even get to have a turn. Wow. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, it was really interesting docker. I'll link it in the show notes. I'm going to have to watch I, it, I, just, I think. That sounds interesting. I just kind of like pimping something to do with an Australian game studio. <laughs> we don't have a lot of Australian game dudes. We've got to pimp what we can. Um, I mean, it's not even a new article. It's, yeah. it's an old thing that happened a few years ago. But hey, half break. <laughs> But off the back of talking about how much we hate um, reviews, let's review some movies, because... Oh, yeah. We, we've been watching some uh, interesting stuff of late. Like, a good one to start with, I actually recently watched uh, the new horror like, oh, suspense thing for M. Night Shyamalan, which is Knock at the Cabin. I have not seen it. I kind of enjoyed it. It's... I wouldn't say a return to form for him, because let's be honest, he's been going downhill for a while. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed The Sixth Sense, and I enjoyed Signs, and that's basically it. I didn't enjoy Signs. I liked it for some of the things. Like, just open the door to all the people in the closet wearing tinfoil hats. And, like, it's look, it's fun. I look, I, I'll freely give you, the first half of that movie, not that bad. Yeah. It, it does some solid suspense, but the suspense goes fucking nowhere yeah and i will never be okay with the weakness the aliens have is water yeah that was that was the first time when the twist was like "Ooh, what a twist and started that meme i swear yeah um because that was so fuck our planet is covered in water cunt yeah it rains it's like us going to venus yeah I'm just going to walk around on a planet that rains acid, because that'll be fine. Yeah, it's completely okay. And the fact is, like, oh, no, they're not, are they wearing a protective gear to hide from the water? No, they're naked. Yeah. Like, no space suit, no nothing. I, I don't get it. But uh, knocking the cabinet was fun. Um, the whole 
thing is interesting. Like a family has to choose to sacrifice one of them to stop the end of the world. Very simple premise. And I like it. The weird thing okay. is, Batista um, is in this one, and he does a very interesting character. Like, he's like, his character's a, kind, a school teacher. Big muscle mm. guy, you know, that kind of thing. The age old stereotype of being buff in a situation you don't need to be. But he comes off just so well. He did really good. Um, but then there's like Rupert Grint is in this movie. Like the kid who played Ron Weasley in the movies for Harry Potter. Um, and I thought he was done with acting, but he's come back for this. And he does pretty good. Uh, so yeah, no, solid, solid movie. Uh, it does have the Shamalamalon issues of there has to be a twist. Uh, you could. You can see it coming, though. You know what's going to happen halfway through. Like, mm. It's a good movie to like turn your brain off and have some interesting thoughts going. And just see what happens. I mean, actually, like speaking of movies that you kind of turn your brain off to, like, I know it came out ages ago, mm. but I find I keep bringing it up to people and no one even knows it was a thing, was Werewolf by Night. I enjoyed that one. It took me I, a bit of time to get around to watching it, but I, I write it quite like it. See, I, I grew up watching a lot of the old like Bram Stoker style yeah. monster movies. Mm. Um, and they specifically, this is technically an in MCU only online movie. Mm. And they go over their as hard as they can to emulate that old Bram Stoker um, Dracula cinematic vibe where everything's black and white the sets look like they're just sort of like like there's a bit where a character's hiding in some plants yeah but it, you can clearly tell it's just like a raised platform with little planters in it yeah they haven't tried to make it look like it's growing naturally it, it just works it, it but somehow it fits together perfectly I like it it's so it absolutely does and like they get away with having a werewolf that isn't that werewolfy because he's supposed to feel more like the wolfman from yeah. the old movies um so you know it it's really really good and mm. it's a fun time but it's definitely one of those like eat your dinner and watch it don't be like oh yes we're sitting down for yeah. movie night and we're going to have this wonderfully intellectual discussion afterwards of the themes of the movie no the movie is werewolves let's go like they're really I like those kinds of movies you can just sit there and have them in the background while you're eating dinner or doing something else um I recently watched a movie that I thought would be that and then it turned out not to be that at all. It sucked me in proper. And it's a little like animated movie that came out in 2017 called The Big Bad Fox and Other Tales. It's just like three stories, uh, like short story kind of things. But they're really well done. It's a 2D animation, very adorable style. Mm. But the comedy drew me in from that first little story they had. And the basis of that one is... There's three characters trying to deliver a baby. A pig, a rabbit, and a duck. The rabbit and the duck are absolute idiots. Like, top-notch idiot. Like, you know, like the proper old-school slapstick kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, like, they're handed this baby because the stork doesn't want to deal with it. It's like, here, you have to deliver it, or it's going to be an orphan. Your problem, and then just wanders <laughs> off. And they're like, oh, okay, we should probably do something. And the pig's like, I don't want anything to do with this. You can, you know... Do it yourself. I, I'm going to do my own thing. Go back to gardening. And these two other characters screw up everything they touch. It's like, well, I should probably check on them. Goes in. They've, they're have they basically going to launch the baby in a catapult, hoping that it gets in the right direction. 
even better is some of the like a lot of these characters are voiced by like Bill Bailey and other oh, really nice. well known like British comedians. It's like it works so well. Hell yeah! And I got drawn in. Like I eventually like the first story finished. Like that was great. Oh right, I was eating food. Went, oh, it's cold now. But <laughs> I got too distracted. It was great. I will admit, like a movie that that drew me in, but. I personally don't think actually had the payoff it needed was the menu. Yeah, no, I it drew me in definitely, and I enjoyed a lot of certain things about it. Like there was some like fun the, bits. So like the 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 movie is uh, like a I don't think I don't know if it was at that, but like you know it's one of those like Sundance movies. Yeah. Um, but someone threw like budget at it. Oh yeah, they threw some and it budget. does show. And there's some great ideas in it. Like, it actually genuinely has some really clever bits. Mm. But the whole premise is, like, some guy invites a bunch of people. Like, you follow one, you follow one main character. Yeah. She's coming along with another one to this restaurant where it's, like, $1,200 a meal and blah, blah, blah Essentially, blah. it's meant to be the greatest dining experience in the world kind of thing. Like, the very yeah. hoity-toity kind of... Thing. You're essentially going to, I mean, uh, I think they're trying to rip off um, Heston a little more, but you know, it's not like a Gordon Ramsay type thing. Yeah. Like super well-known chef, everyone knows who he is. He's amazing. People follow mm. their career. Blah 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 blah. And it starts out like pretty normal, although very like stick up your butt. Like he has oh, this yeah. whole thing about how like bread is for poor people, and you're not poor people, so you don't get bread. Yeah. And then gives them a whole bunch, like a deconstructed meal that's like foam. Yeah. And it's dumb. It's stupid. I um, I, I like the characters reacting to all of it. Because there's obviously like, there's two food critics, which are there just for like laughing at food critics. And they're yeah. great fun. Three, I'm assuming like business jocks, essentially. Oh, the dude bro group, yeah. The, the dude bro business guys who are friends with the guy who owns the restaurant or pays mm. the restaurant kind of thing. Um, and they keep trying to use, like, throw their weight around and just get shat on. I yeah. loved every time that happened. It was great. Oh, yeah. Especially uh, when that boss is revealed in certain places. Yeah. Mm. So, like, the whole thing is that as the movie goes on, all the meals start getting darker and darker and darker, and, you know, things get really fucked up. Yeah. But, I don't know. The movie never felt like it hit the payoff point properly. Mm. Like, it has what is clearly the payoff. But I don't know. It just didn't land for me. It felt it's not like to say it's bad. Yeah, there's just some kind of punch that was instead of like coming over the line and being like, "Yes, there it is. There's the the payoff for all this build up." It just kind of feels like it goes. We're done. Weirdly enough, I don't have to impress you. Like weirdly enough, it felt like eating a meal that was just short of being satisfying. Yeah, like. Not like, all I needed weird. was, like, a little bowl of vanilla ice cream and it would have been perfect. Yeah, just a little bit extra to tie it all together, it would have been great. Mm. Um, but then you get, like, the opposite end of that, and you have Glass Onion, which was just oh. nothing but payoff. That, that entire movie. I, I just great. want a whole string of movies that's only connecting tissue is that one guy. I would love it so much. Just that thing at the end like so dumb it's brilliant no it's just dumb like that's one of my favorite gifts to send around now i swear although i the one thing i dislike is that 
the the previous one knives out, although it does manipulate you as well, mm. it doesn't feel as egregious about it. Yeah. There's one scene with Batista where he he witnesses something happen. Mm. And then you find out later the con- and it looks like he understands it in one particular way, which is supposed to be a red herring. And then you find out later that it had nothing to do with that, and yeah. there was actually more context in the scene. They just didn't give you. Yeah. And it's annoying because if you'd had that context, you'd have known what was going on sooner, and that's it. Yeah. It's the only reason they didn't show it to you. Not that there is not more context, and you will learn it later. They just flat out refused to give it to you just for that purpose. And for the that felt less satisfying. Yeah. Not enough to kill the movie. Like, the actual bit... Like, the first half of the movie is all set up, and the mm. back half of the movie is all payoff. Yeah. And it is absolutely quality payoff. I love oh, yeah. the movie. But it, could, it didn't quite land mm-hmm. the way I wanted it to. That's in fair. places. But definitely not enough to even kind of make me not want to um, force everyone we know to watch it yeah Um, yeah I like there was a what was the other one Megan was another movie uh, we both watched at one point yeah Megan was really good I liked Megan I enjoyed it it was not what I expected in a good way so I was expecting a horror movie because yeah. that's the way they pitched it. Same. Like they, they, it felt like it was supposed to be kind of someone taking on like the Chucky idea. Mm. You know, the robot toy goes bananas and kills people. Yeah, that's what all the advertising said it was, and then it turned out to be this really good suspense thriller. It ended up being more like um, what was the old Will Smith movie AI? No, like, yeah, uh, iRobot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it had that kind of vibe to it, whereas like a slowly gaining sentience of uh, an AI uh, grappling with the very rudimentary instructions it has and how to deal with them. Yeah, like its entire job essentially as a, a product is to be the best friend ever to a child, right? Mm. So it takes that job one hundred percent seriously. Yeah, it does. Like, to the point where the child's essentially addicted to this friend. It's like, that is interesting. I like this dynamic. It's strange and fun. Mmm. I, I loved it. It was it was such a surprise yeah. to, to watch that movie. Not what I expected at all, but I definitely recommend having giving a good watch. It's pretty fun. Mmm. Um, I watched the... I recently watched the new uh, Guy Ritchie movie. Which one was that? That was really... Uh, Operation Fortune. Oh, yes. I haven't seen that yet, but it is on my list. It is pretty fun. It, it kind of pokes a lot of fun at the spy franchise. Um, nice. Uh, starring Jason Statham as the main character. Oh, excellent. And Jason Statham, with any excuse to punch people in the face, is generally quite good. Uh, you, you tie up Jason Statham with Guy Ritchie, and you are guaranteed a fun movie. Cause oh, yeah. The last one they did was... It's good. That, that was, was uh, Wrath of Men? Yeah, Wrath of Man. Uh, he also did Revolver with him, which was also a really good movie. Uh, but it does make Ooh, you as an think. old cut. Oh yeah, no, like I remember. Um, I think I almost broke Jondo one day because uh, I got him to watch uh, Revolver, which is all about the um, the ego and how it's not your friend. And Ooh. it's a great movie. Definitely watch it because it's really fun and makes you think things that fuck with your head. But I showed him that. And I also showed him a movie called The Man from Earth, which is a very low-budget movie, because it literally has, like, 
one set, which is a, a house that's slowly being emptied out of furniture. Mm. Um, and the entire thing is a philosophy professor is leaving his university and moving on somewhere else. And all his friends come to say goodbye to him. Uh, and he's been there 10 years. He's very young. And the premise of the you know, conversation they have is, I am a immortal uh, Neanderthal. Prove me wrong. And they have to ask him questions. And you know, it's meant to be a philosophical debate. But then they start thinking, like, what if he's... Does he believe this? And it goes on from there. And it's a very interesting, very slow movie, but very interesting. I showed him both of these back to back, and he was very quiet for a period of time after that. <laughs> You're a monster. I really am. Oh, but yeah, no, both good movies. Do not watch them in succession. Hmm. But Operation Fortune's fun. Nice. It's kind of like a comedy spy action movie. It it was generally quite entertaining. I, I do, very much enjoyed it. I do love comedy spy action flicks. They're pretty fun. Um, what else have we... I, actually, one movie that, like... I, I weirdly seem to have a lot of trouble getting people to watch. Um, the Unbelievable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah. No, I, I've... Uh, I, like, the pitch for that is great, but no one ever seems to want to actually watch it. Well, the problem is, people are like, uh, Nick Cage movies aren't any good anymore. And, yeah, if you watched, uh, what was it, Ghostland? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of come across that way. But this one's really fun, and it has Pedro Pascal in it, and he's great. And that meme you're all seeing everywhere, that's where it's from. Which one's that? Uh, the one we're in the car, and, like, it's always like, you know, me telling a horribly dark joke. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the rest Another of my team. One. Like, that one's like, the two of them. Where Pat, like, Pascal's just laughing gleefully, and Cage looks terrified and angry. Um, but that meme that you're seeing everywhere, that's where it's from. Go watch the movie. It's fun. It's really good. It is, at, it is exactly what you want for the kind of chaotic energy that is, like, peak Nick Cage. Yeah. It's it not is. so fucking weird you can't understand it, but it is definitely, like... There's a weird energy going on here. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Actually ended up seeing it in a cinema because some friends of mine wanted to go see it. And I'm like, fuck it, I'll go along. And I'm not movie. disappointed even slightly seeing that movie. That was great. Nice. Uh, now we can get to the, the meat and potatoes of this one. And Ugh. we're going to talk about Avatar The Way of Water. Cause... Oh, we're going to spoil the shit out of it. Yeah, this is your warning now. Like, this will be to the end of the podcast because we're gonna rip this to shreds I'm so sorry I'm not that's fair uh, but this movie was just aggressively meh like I mean this it's very movie pretty goes, it goes for three hours and twelve minutes and it takes all that time to get fucking nowhere pretty much it feels like filler it's yeah. really strange, but it, the entire thing, like, the start of it, the whole, um, like, alright, it's been a few years, like, that's cool and everything, um, the weird one for me is, like, they're going through a very fast recap, like, oh, we had, like, what, the first child, yeah, this is great, then suddenly he had four. Yeah. Because the, they don't even mention the other ones, like, oh, suddenly there's four, like, 
Well, the Ooh, only great. one they mentioned is the fourth one because that's the one that was adopted. Oh yeah, it was the, from um, the miraculous baby conception of Sigourney Weaver's character from the yeah. last movie. Which, but no one knows where it came from. They make it gets the, brought up at the start of the movie and then forgotten. Yeah, they bring it up as a joke. Like, Who do you think did it? I think it was the nerd guy. It's like, okay, funny, but at the same time, can you maybe explain this? And then they just throw more questions on the fire later in the movie, but we'll get to that yeah. at some point. But then there's like the main villain from the first one apparently had a son that no one knew about uh yeah or alluded to or ever mentioned you know those kinds of things uh who is now they named him spider and essentially he's the the cat of the uh the jake sully clan they they allude to him as a pet that's the weird thing like they point out that the other avatar the other um like the mother treats him like he's not one of what them, is so. it I can't, uh, the Navi yeah think of him more like a pet yeah um also the first in that little startup speech that Jake Sully has he kind of forgets how to speak English for a bit like he goes full native like if for that second and then just immediately back to normal no 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 they explain it yeah. and it's it's a real throwaway line because he points out that like it was really hard for him at the start because he didn't quite understand how to speak Navi, mm. and then he goes, but eventually it was like speaking English, and that's where it hard cuts to English. Yeah, pretty much. Because the idea is now because he's been there for so long, he understands it, so we're not going to subtitle it anymore. Yeah, uh, that's why it's that just a dumb hard cut. Fair, but then we get the return of humans because this was always going to happen. There's no way in hell <laughs> they weren't coming back. <laughs> And the whole movie spends its whole time trying to make you think humans are the worst. Oh yeah, and no, I mean, like, I'm not going to pretend we aren't. We are absolutely the worst. We, we are, are a plague on crap. this world and this universe. But at the same time, yeah. it's like they they land hard into that. Like just the <laughs> land, they decimate so many he- like thousands of hectares worth of forest. It just looks like they nuke it from orbit. Yeah. It is like it's in and like they haven't uh, they haven't talked to anyone. They, de- they just show up and then just firebomb. Yeah, that's it. Like done. We're gonna burn an entire forest now. Uh, also, the main villain from the last movie has been his memories have been cloned and implanted into a Navi body, so he's now a permanent avatar. He doesn't you know go to sleep and then wake up. And now he's got a shittier reason to be grumpy because now it's it's personal. He yeah. killed me and he betrayed us. It's so dumb as a motivation, yeah. especially for a military character. Because, like, I feel like the chain of command should be going, uh, d- don't do that. Stop doing your personal revenge crap. We have work for you. Yeah, you're here as a, a thing to make sure that we are safe. Do the thing that makes us safe, okay? Bye. But it's just so weirdly contrived like oh his entire thing is now there's a hit squad to kill Jake Sully like okay yeah neat and uh, the whole thing seems to be essentially do war crimes yeah no literally that they burn down villages they shoot people for fun they are horrible they are the worst of the worst put into more powerful bodies yeah and it's like oh well, he's gonna lean into that and make them bad neat we now know who the Nazis are in this situation good to know and then they're like, we need to make someone worse than that guy. Mm. Because we want... 
shock horror he doesn't die by the end of this movie so yeah. they've got something planned for him for movie three. Oh yeah but we need someone that you can beat in this movie to have that sort of catharsis victory so we need someone to be worse than this guy yeah so what we do is they go when they finally get we'll jump ahead a little bit here mm. they get to the sea people and you find out about these super intelligent whales and they they point out in the movie that these whales are smarter than us. Yeah. They have language, they have music, they have philosophy. They are super intelligent. Yeah. They are essentially so they, just so intelligent. They have culture. They have everything. They are a fully sentient species. So they have these um, these guys. They're whalers. That's yeah. what they are. They're whalers. And they're super happy to do it. Oh, yeah. They are so happy to kill whales. Because like, because they're so intelligent, they have a certain cerebral fluid that they're after. Uh, and that's all they want. They kill these things just yeah. for this fluid because it's They somehow, don't want the meat, yeah. nothing else. And the reason being, it stops human aging. Just flat out stops it. You keep going, but you don't age ever again. The um, thing is, though, that the dude extracts it. Mm. And I'm going to be generous here and say he got a liter of fluid. Yeah. He says that the entire trip back to Pandora is funded by this stuff. Yeah. One liter is $80,000. Yeah. That's, so they're going to have to be churning through so many of these whales. That, um, that, is, that is... like I, I understand that it's the future and maybe space travel's cheaper. Maybe. But you can't get a, pl- a ship off Earth for that. No. That's nothing. That does not justify the cost. Now, this is space money. And there's the fact that in the first movie, they were like, space travel's non-doable without unobtainium. Yeah. That sounds way more valuable than this fucking shit. But apparently, we're now funding the entire Pandora program on it. Pretty much. And they never mentioned unobtainium again. That is just given up on. It's it's all whales now. Yeah. Full on the ambrosia. Um... But that, and I did like some of the, the mechs they had. Like, the little crab scuttlers they Oh, built. that were fun. Little crabs yeah. with hands. It was great. I loved it. Um, but at the same time, Jake does that thing where he has his, like, flying lizard and immediately ditches it for the next ride he can find. Yeah. Just but he doesn't even get the good one. His son does. Yeah. The weird thing is, like, they go to the to hideout. So they find out about this hit squad. It's like, oh, no. We have to run away. We've got the people in danger. Despite the fact he's been trained them how to use weapons, tactics, he has them as a guerrilla formation to hit trains, essentially. Like, mm. they spend a year teaching them guerrilla combat against human tech. And it's yeah. like, oh, there's a hit squad. They have guns. Better run the fuck away. It's like, no, you don't have to. You could stand and fight quite easily. Hell, you alone took down six of these guys when they ambush you. Yeah. But instead, it's like, nah, we have to run. There's no choice. It, and it's even dumber because, like, at this point, the other humans haven't backed these, this hit squad up. No, at all. It's not, like you're, it's not like you're like, oh, it's the hit squad are the tip of the spear. Mm. The rest of them are behind them. We're fucked. we got to go. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. These guys want to kill us. we got to go. That's it. we just got to fucking leave. That's it. Like, completely. And, um, of course, I don't understand why he thinks it's going to work. Because he knows that this guy has a personal beef with him and will chase. Yeah. 
So why does he think this is even going to work? Yeah, he's like, oh, we'll just go out to sea. And they do. And the sea people, I like the diversity in their characters because yes. they've been, like, they've evolved to live in the sea. Their tails are thicker and act more as a fin. Uh, they can hold their breath a lot longer. That kind of stuff. But he turns up and the chief, they're all very Maori-based as well. I love the tattoos and everything yeah. they use for them. Uh, heavily inspired by them. But he turns up, ah, oh, you're from the forest. Your, your skills are useless here. Like, hold on. He's just turned up in a thing that can fly higher than anything you you have here, completely, mm. and you live in the ocean, a flat plain. You now have the greatest lookout in your culture. Yeah, and they never use it to any kind of advantage. No, they say, "Oh no, you have to learn our ways." Like, sure, learn their ways, but you still have a very useful like thing you're not using at all. Yeah, like, it's very strange. I mean, I really hate the way his son can't understand what bait is. Oh, he gets baited so like the the youngest son, oh sorry the young son like the second born whoever he is yeah uh, the eldest son uh, they do have that thing at the start where they're both on patrol like not patrol they're on lookout duty they've taken down a train they have these guys flying around to make sure no one's coming it's like fuck that let's go down and steal a couple of guns and the older brother's like no 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 we must do our job. Of course, he's convinced to go down by the younger brother. They almost die horribly because they neglected their lookout duties. So, guess who dies horribly at the end of the movie? Foreshadowed the entire way through because he keeps cleaning up his younger brother's mess. Yeah. Who does not understand when he's being baited or led astray. It's so bad, though, because it's like... It's... Like, if it happened once, it'd be fine. Yeah. Okay, whatever. You're trying to set up that he's impulsive. Fine. Yeah. But he takes the bait every fucking time. Pretty much. Like, at no point... He has no ability to be self-aware or, like, aware of his surroundings, I swear. He, yeah. He can't take stock at all. It's just, I'm gonna run headlong. It's like, stop it. Just mm. stop, please. And Think I understand that the... Seconds. I get the point of the movie is part of his arc is learning that. Yeah. But he doesn't learn it by being in a bad situation and realizing this was a bad thing to do and slowly growing. Hmm. It's just bait, 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 bait. Yeah. Like the only it's, time it's he learns good. is when consequences are not on him. Yeah. Like when the consequence is the like loss of his brother, that's when he actually pays attention. Before that, it's like, now, like he gets abandoned by, like, gets lured out by these guys who quite clearly hate him. Yeah, uh, so come hunting with us. Like, okay, and he does. Uh, and they literally ditch him, and he almost gets yeah. devoured by a death fish, which was pretty cool. I like that thing. Yes. Um, and he's saved by one of the whales that attacks stuff and has been exiled from its its herd because it's it's killed and is responsible for an uprising against humans that failed. And you know, he makes friends with that thing. But even then, he covers for the guy when he gets back. It's like, oh, I'm just going to mm. cover and maybe he'll like me. Still fucking hates him. Yeah. Like, it doesn't treat him anything. does nothing. It's so dumb. It, it's not well hung together. His whole plot line is not actually... This, quite honestly, the bad bits of the plot line really come together right at the end. They do, unfortunately. One, there's a massive plot hole that I do not understand that happens at the end of the movie. Mm. So, 
they, they take down the whalers. It's all big and cathartic. It goes on for like 30 minutes. It just fucking won't end because this movie's just like, you're stuck in purgatory now. Um, and, and there's this bit where like this big whaling ship is sinking and a bunch of them have gotten off of the boat, but Jake's got to go back and fight the big bad guy and all this kind of jazz. And he's telling his family to leave and the family go into the water and then the fuel from the boat catches on fire and they're like, oh no, we can't escape that way. Back onto the boat. It's on the fucking surface, you idiot. Yeah. Go under it. Yeah. You could swim under it so easily. They uh, literally have one of the water dinosaur things with them. Yeah. So it's not like, oh no, we, it's so wide we couldn't hold our breath long enough. One, that's not going to work because you've already established that you can absolutely do that. They will the dinosaur could get you there. Yeah. It's not a problem. It, no, it has to be a problem because plot. Um... But, then but was... it's weak even for plot. Yeah. Like, they didn't set up a reason why, like, the fire goes under the water or something. They literally later in the movie show a shot from underneath. And the water, it's only on the surface. Yeah. It's not stopping them leaving. The weird thing for me was the fact that this bull whale that was thrown out of the, the pod, uh, mm. for he basically got a rebellion going. He got a bunch of other bulls to go. Okay, no. It didn't work like that. Um... This is a perspective thing, and yeah. it doesn't quite work. Hmm. The They explained it in the movie that the whales used to fight. Yeah. And that they gave up the the ways of violence. Yeah. They become peaceful. Yeah. And then the Na'vi wanted the whales to fight with them against the whalers. Hmm. And this guy went with them to do that. Yeah. He's the only one who lives, yeah. so the whales consider him responsible. Yeah. But he's not. Oh, he didn't no, no. start the rebellion. He's mm. not like... He didn't get all the other whales killed, but because the whales are peaceful and he chose violence, yeah. they lump every death that was happened at that fight on him and call him a killer. Yeah. But the weirdest thing for me with that, just in general, is the fact that they were like a bunch of navi there was a bunch of these whales and they were versing from the looks of things like maybe three ships um, yeah and they got decimated like he's the only survivor but yeah. then at the end of this movie there's one ship and this one whale destroys most of it yeah like and it, with like backup from like a handful of navi yeah clearly someone had turned off the plot armor that's all it was mm. and it's just so strange it felt a bit rushed at the end like there are some interesting things it's a very gorgeous movie absolutely 100% great to look at um the stuff with Sigourney Wheeler's like <sighs> character is very odd because I thought going in it was going to be reincarnation like she didn't get into the body yeah but she reincarnated as like a born Navi and like alright that would be interesting no um because they she plugs into the sea people's um, tree. Apparently, her like connection with their god is a lot closer in the sea. So she's the sea avatar, essentially. Um, and she plugs in, and she sees Sigourney Weaver, like her character from the first movie. Mm. And they are distinctly separate. And she refers yeah. to her as her daughter. It's like, so it's not reincarnate. What is this? What are we leading hmm. to? Is this going to be paid off in this movie? No. no. Maybe next one in ten years? Who knows? Yeah. But, like, visually stunning. Great movie. 
the story like, I will, needs a bit of work, but I still I enjoyed bits of it. I completely believe that I've gotten less enjoyment from this movie because I've watched it at home. Yeah. Um, I waited for digitals to come out for this. I didn't. Um, I didn't see it in the cinema. Yeah. But I honestly believe that that did lessen my opinion of it because so many of the shots in that movie, like when they first go to the sea people area and they start doing mm. like having people jump into the water and they have all the big, sh- like apparently they they actually created like pools and stuff yeah. to film in, um, so they could get those shots and be like for realsies instead of it all CG, which helps make them just look so. Fucking- oh yeah good definitely but they'd look better if I'd gone to South Bank watched it on the IMAX screen and been like oh my god this shit's like a nine story soul screen this yeah. would have been dope it would but been I great. didn't do that no it's like I, I think we missed out by not seeing it in cinemas for this kind of movie and it's but I don't think it would have saved this movie I just no, probably would right. have a better opinion of it I would definitely have a better opinion of it but I don't think it would have saved it there's a lot of plot holes and they might shore them up for the next movie I don't know. The weird bit is, though, like, if you look at the the Rotten Tomatoes ratings for this, it's a 76. That's like, the people thing. like it. No, they do. Like, I get why they like it. It is a popcorn flick. You can turn your brain off and watch it. Um, but I went into this because the first Avatar, I enjoyed. It was fun. It was I different. generally think it's, it's a good movie. Yeah. It was an absolute game changer because it had some of the best CG. Mm. It was filmed for IMAX yeah. and for 3D from the get-go. Yeah. No retroactive, we blew it up or we added some shitty 3D effects. Yeah. Was... Um, no, they actually planned it that way so the forest felt like it had depth. Oh. It was amazing. Yeah, it was, it was great for that. But then we went into this next one and because we had that bias of that first one being just a new step in an interesting direction for cinema... Mm. This one was kind of just more of the same. There wasn't a lot of what felt like innovation. Yes, they brought in yeah. some more of the physical, so they, they did more prop and that kind of stuff. I liked that. Mm. Uh, it definitely gave it a bit more weight in certain yeah. things. But at the same time, there was no real innovation there. Um, no. And the the plot, I think a lot of the money went to the special effects and making yeah. it look amazing to match the first one. <clears throat> But the story suffered for that. Absolutely. Other than that, it is worth a watch. Just don't go in expecting, you know, the be-all, end-all. No. The praise it's getting at the moment is not undeserved, but is more than it is currently deserving. The thing I will also freely admit, and I've brought this up on many other movies before, this movie has middle child syndrome. It does, yes. It's a movie that has to have its own plot which is why they needed the whalers so you could have something for them to fight but it's setting up for a third movie it can't conclude it can't answer it has to leave the dangling threads because it's not designed to be its own thing yeah it's a bridging point essentially they're building a bit more of the world which is nice i like the world they're building i'm happy to see more of the the world of pandora it's fun and interesting yeah. It's going to be like three more movies, essentially. Like, it wants a but like, we're, we're, we're <laughs> reviewing a movie and talking about one in the context of what it has. Yeah. And what, I ha- what it has, I don't think it's great. But maybe once we have that follow-through context, it might hit better. The payoff for this movie isn't in this movie. It's in future, no. future stock. Yeah. 
But so many third, like second movies in trilogies have that exact same problem. They really do. I'm not going to pretend that this movie is uniquely bad. No. Lots no. of movies have this problem with their second films. Like, at least it doesn't feel like a cash-in sequel. That's good. No. Um, no, it it does feel a bit more like its own thing. But it is hamstrung in the fact that it has to set up for later iteration. Yeah. So it's a lot of lore and world building. And generally I enjoy that stuff because I'm a DM, I do a lot of D&D stuff, and I like that kind of thing. Mm. But here it just felt a bit clunky. I think, look, for me it was just runtime. Yeah. Like, if you'd, if you'd like, chopped off maybe in 45 minutes to an hour of this movie... I think I'd have liked it more. Oh yeah, definitely. Because by the time we get to the third villain introduced, well, probably, well, second villain, but it feels like third because humanity's return was such a giant dick move. Oh yeah, that was a um, blazing middle finger. That was great. Oh, and the, the what was it, the, the army general who was like, oh hey, we've captured a child, let's torture them. Yeah, yeah, that, that happens. Um... That was a weird decision. Again, we, they just seem to want to make you hate humans for whatever fucking reason. Honestly, yeah, um, like, every decision made by the humans in that is like, what would Hitler do? It's like, guys, can you yeah. settle down a bit? Jesus, I know I'm we're coming sure from a dystopian future. But... <laughs> I'm pretty sure even Nazis would be like, guys, guys, come down. Yeah, switch. it's like, yeah. Calm, calm your farm, guys. Jesus. Um, but, like, it, it's... I, I've completely lost the point I was trying to make now. No, nope, it's gone. I do that. <laughs> and something. I, I'm very good at being distracting. <laughs> Fucking squirrels. <laughs> Point is, it's a, it's an okay movie. It's too yeah. long. Oh, that was it. It was it's it's an entirely too long movie. If you just yeah. sliced it off, and and you got everything to be a bit more punchy, I think it would have landed better, and I'd be happier with what I watched. Even just having spent certain things off would have been fine. Having watched three hours and twelve minutes of this fucking movie, yeah. by the time I got to the end of it, it was just like fucking finally. It's a bit like rewatching Forrest Gump, where you're like, you get halfway through, oh, it's almost up. Oh, wait, he hasn't started running yet. Ah! Like, yeah. You remember how long it is. Or like the Lord of the Rings extended editions, where it's like, this is, yeah, but this I, is going. I, I actively want to watch the Lord of the Rings extended edition. Yes. I don't think I'd want to back to back to back the trilogy of Avatar movies if they're all going to be this long. Yeah. Yeah, no. But yeah, ultimately, it. I, I think both of us are kind of in a meh watch it if you feel like it kind of yeah. range on that one like it's um, it's not the worst it's not the greatest uh, it is definitely fun I enjoyed most parts of it yeah but you you do get a bit of a letdown at the end I, I like I said I think it would be better in a cinema visually I don't think it would save it I think you'd actually be quite justified physicals or digital watching this movie yeah Anyway, I think that's going to round us out for this episode. We have cleared an hour. Yeah, we have rambled on for a fair while. Woo! All right, guys. Y'all have a good one. Enjoy the long weekend. <laughs>